2: Your head.
3: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiseled and is proudly part of the Chair Shop Media Group. I am Mags and with me, as always, on this uh, very, very special weekend recording, my podcast wife, Mr Paul Tully. Paul, how are you, sir?
4: I'm feeling good. Cheers, Mags. How about yourself?
3: Yeah, not too bad. Getting a... Getting into the Christmas spirit, uh, getting the last bits of our Christmas shopping done online because you can't go into stores uh, because everywhere's locked down.
4: Yeah, I, I, I've been searching all over eBay for, for one of these vaccinations. Try and get try and get one early.
3: <laughs> There's no hope for you Welsh. You, you, we, we're cutting you off. You we're definitely last on the
4: list. <laughs> yeah. Welsh between the ages of twenty and forty, never getting it. No,
3: exactly, exactly. Um, Oh, today we have got someone who I can't believe. In all the episodes we've done, he's never been on this show. It's an absolute shock, and it's about time we rectified that. We've got one of the pillars of the of the Twitter wrestling community, one of the the standout creators in in our in our scene. It's Mister Warren Hayes. Warren, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you for having
2: me, both of you, on uh, on your show, Paul. Uh, what's your name? Mags? Um, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thrill to be here. Thank you very much. And it has been a while. It's weird. But, uh, you know, I've done a couple of your other numerous podcasts. So,
3: you know, at some point I'm like, oh, well, I've talked to Mags before. It's cool. What, what a subtle dig. In a couple of your <laughs> numerous, many, many podcasts. <laughs> So this is the first time you ever even really spoke to Paul. So, yeah, yes. so I'm, I'm, I'm making it my mission to get Paul on, on more, more people's podcasts. I'm, I'm He's reluctantly accepting me as, as his booking well, agent.
2: I mean, I don't want to air dirty laundry here, but I, I think, you know, I think, you know, I understand your intentions, Max, but we've talked about having Paul on my show before and you straight out told me, he's like, well, Warren, he's Welsh. <laughs> so I'm like, What what does that mean? He says, Trust me, Warren, he's Welsh. I'm like, okay, fine. But I, I you know, I don't know exactly what that means. I know I know you know I know where Wales is. I understand. you know, that's fine. But you know, I'm not saying I'm not, saying, let's say, I'm a not just trying to bury you, Paul. That's definitely not
3: what I'm trying to say. I would never do such a thing. Being Welsh is kinda of like a blessing and a curse. <laughs> don't kind of like being French Canadian. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, so Warren, seeing as you've never, ever been on Badlands, uh, we need to, to hear your uh, Mount Rushmore, the greatest wrestlers of all time. So uh, Paul, our resident accountant, can can add your picks to our collated list. So who are the, the four greatest wrestlers, according to uh, Mr. Warren Hayes? OK, qu- right. The greatest wrestlers
2: of because I thought it was the greatest wrestlers in my mind. Because that's a whole different thing. <laughs> that's very, very different from the greatest wrestling, from Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Cold Austin, uh, uh, Shawn Michaels. You know, because what, what I consider to be the greatest in my mind, it's very, very different than what reality might
3: want us to look. But that, that's the beauty of this, though, because it, the, the subjectivity of wrestling means that there's no wrong answers. So your greatest wrestlers? Well, let's see. Let's see if we can. <laughs> if, 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 let, let's put that to the test here. On my Mount Rushmore,
2: on my uh, the on my Mount Rushmore, Scott Putsky, third generation wrestler, son of the great Ivan Putsky. I think Scott's claim to fame was having a uh a WCW World Heavyweight Championship title match on an episode of Nitro 1998 against then-champion Bill Goldberg, who defeated him in 52 seconds. The great thing here, the great thing here about Scott Putsky is that he had done absolutely nothing of note to warrant a World Championship match, and yet he got one. So that, to me is the
4: mark of a great wrestler, all (laughs) right? Wow. (laughs) Uh, A lot of people agree with you. That's his seventh pick.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That would have been awesome. (laughs) My number next on my Mount Rushmore, above average Mike Sanders. I appreciate, (laughs) I appreciate a guy who decides to bill himself as, above average you know i'm not great but i'm i'm better than most guys <laughs> and i can that to me is such a show of confidence in one's skill set uh, a, a level of self-awareness that multiple wrestlers are completely unable to have even to this day mike sanders above average mike sanders Absolutely on the uh, on my Mount Rushmore. And a great pick. <laughs> thank thank you very much. Now uh my next pick, actually, well, okay, they're they actually okay. Well, no, uh, because they actually they kind of go together, but I'm still going to break it down a bit. Scotty Riggs. Here's here's a guy. Listen, this is how genius your career goes. Here, this is a guy who starts off like like, who really gets recognition, didn't start, but gets recognition teaming up with Buff Bagwell and the American Males, right? And this is a guy who, who breaks, who, who gets bigger than Bagwell while he's in the tag team. So they split them apart. And then he, what happens next? Arguably, Buff Bagwell becomes the bigger star once they're singles guys. And Scotty Riggs becomes a member of the flock. <laughs> of Ravens flock. Now, if you can't get behind that, as just like pure uh, 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 kismet in in wrestling trajectory of your career, I think it's great. I, it, 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 you need a special skill set to be one of the American males, and then end up being you know covered in in, in, in flannel and having your wet hair over your eyes. That's fantastic. And my last pick, legendary wrestler AWA, WCW, NWA, Mike Enos. He's done it all. He's even been a referee. He's been. Uh, he wore a mask to attack the uh, uh, the. Um, I want to call them the skyscrapers, but that's not it. Shit, what were they called? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, but here's the thing: <laughs> that what's great about he. This is why I, I, I tie him in here with Scotty Riggs, because they had, uh, they had an absolutely horrible match on Clash of the Champions 1997. They're on a pay-per-view, and as you guys know, right, Clash of Champions. What does Clash of Champions mean? It means that all the champions are there, all the titles are defended. What title did Scotty Riggs and or Mike Enos have? None! <laughs> so imagine, look at, so this adds to, the, to Scotty Riggs' induction here as well. They didn't have a title, and they ended up on a pay-per-view where only champions are supposed to be fighting. And on top of this, they wrestled for about two and a half minutes. And it was shit, guys. It was absolute shit. If you can't appreciate the effort, the career that Mike Enos had to reach this point and have a terrible match on an evening where he wasn't even supposed to be there in the first place with Scotty Riggs, who was done with the flock, I believe, at this point. Good for Scott. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. That, that's my Mount Rushmore right there.
4: Wow.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
4: <laughs> so, so, so we, we covered the the actual greatest of all times. So what, what 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 was what was the Mount Rushmore of your mind?
2: <laughs> I just said above the average, Mike Sanders, Scott Puttsky, uh, son of legendary Ivan putsky Okay, no, uh, I, if I were to do like a, I don't know, these things are really hard. They're really really difficult. You. <laughs> <laughs> You like it's easier. That off your tongue. <laughs> it's,
3: it's easier to come up with shit answers than legitimate ones. I don't, um, think, I don't think we should give you a second chance to. I think they should go down in history as your official Mount Rushmore of the greatest rest of all time. And I endorse it. I am. I am. <laughs> a, I'm completely okay with that.
4: I've got we have to feel, take people's first answers, right? Because God got knows, I'd love to take uh, a
2: and, and you so so you guys are you're holding a list you're holding like a spreadsheet of all these answers. I am thrilled that I was able to add above average Mike Sanders to a list of Mount Rushmores. I really do. <laughs> how
3: many upvotes
4: like, has he got, Paul? Uh, just well, None. None. He's, <laughs> he's he's new to the list.
2: Well, I, like frankly, that's how he's built. Above average Mike, and it's so fascinating to me that he that he has the, the, the that's it the, the self-awareness to say look i'm not great you guys are going to accept me for who i am i love it i can't i cannot not get behind that guy
4: i mean the average number of votes per person is 4.2 so he's not quite there yet but below average <laughs> he's below average
2: i'll make a case for him i will i will pre- i'll create a presentation deck in powerpoint to back up my points I'll make sure that he gets more votes.
3: So the worrying thing is you, that you you convince me that they all deserve at least a mention, and and these were all terrible, terrible wrestlers. He,
2: he wasn't <laughs> terrible. He was
1: above
3: average. Clearly not. <laughs> one vote over four point one votes is not above average. Well, not yet. <laughs> You
2: have to let these things build, you know. It's like, um, you know, at some point you're you you're gonna be. Like, oh, okay. Eventually, he gets there. It's the little train that could. Choo choo, choo choo, <laughs> Mike Sanders. I'm all I'm all about the Sanders Express.
4: I, I guess if we add in every professional wrestler who's currently got zero, he he might be above average. <laughs> <See>? Just about.
2: <laughs> there you go. That's true, though. Like, uh, uh, Disco Inferno is not on your list, right?
4: He's not, thankfully.
2: So there you go. So he's instantly above Disco Inferno. Then again, you know, a can of rat poison is above
3: Disco Inferno. (laughs) (laughs) This is turning into a shoot episode. Wow. Before we start getting uh, cancelled by the wrestling community poll, does, does, does Warren's picks in any way affect... The current collated Mount Rushmore. I've got a feeling it does.
4: No, it's just it's just slowed my laptop laptop down a bit by <laughs> expanding expanding my spreadsheet. <laughs> wow, my pig's well, my
2: pig's got this crash balls laptop. I love it.
3: <laughs> At least you've you've done something that hasn't happened since the very first episode. You've got four debutants on on our collated list.
2: Hey, you know what? If it, it, I think it's important, I think these guys should be kept in in the conversation, or a conversation anyway.
3: Any type of any conversation, <laughs> yeah, just, just <laughs> in, uh, in passing a conversation in passing.
4: Yes, but we're up to seventy three people now. Wow, seventy three unique picks, and and sixty nine of them
3: deserve it, and then obviously Warren's for. <laughs> what does that mean, Mags? I mean, you've got a weird sense of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yes, I do.
2: (laughs) You did say wrestling is subjective,
3: so... I did, I did. So if if you were to have a second bat at this cherry, who would you put on the the Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers of all time? Uh, Okay,
2: but... uh, but, uh... This is informal. Because these are my my official picks are these oh, four guys. Yeah, they're, they're doing, okay. yeah. Uh I think you go with uh, I think you go with Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> I think you go with Rick Flair. No Bradman. Think you go with uh, Minami Toyota? Nope. And yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh Jeez. <sighs> Shawn
3: Michaels. No, Liger. Oh. Now they could have they could have made a big difference in the in the actual Kaleeta Matt Rushmore, but they they're not a patch on, on uh, Mark Enos and Scotty Riggs. So those would have made things, that... things
4: really interesting, but um but but the listeners will never know because I'm not tallying them. Hang on a
2: second. <laughs> this second list would have made things interesting. My first list was very interesting. <laughs> uh, you guys seem to, I don't know. Feeling sort of, sort of weird being your guest right now, fellas. Starting to understand about the
3: Welsh stuff now. <laughs> wow, getting political. Getting political. Uh, so, Warren, uh, for, for your main topic, we uh, me and Paul thought we'd go with wrestlers who have had success with multiple gimmicks. Uh, yes. Now, by success, that's in the loosest sense possible. It doesn't mean they have to have been multi-time world champions, just they've appeared on a show or two as a different gimmick. Um, sure. So we'll, uh, we'll go uh, to... And I promise, we'll- just, I, I'm much more legitimate here. <laughs> I promise. Are you <laughs> casting aspersions that you may have not took the Mount Richmond Goat seriously? No, I took it very seriously. Uh,
2: no 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 excuse me i took it very seriously the legitimate the legitimacy of any list can be challenged right and i myself say well maybe you could challenge my four picks but no i took it i took it very seriously max
3: would you say above average oh god yes absolutely (laughs) absolutely
2: see how my expectations have been tempered fantastic
3: (laughs) so let's go on to this main topic then who's your first pick on the Mount Rushmore of multi-gimmick wrestlers. <laughs> Matt Hardy. Oh. And I think,
2: I think it's hard... I think it's hard not to, to... I think it's hard to create a list like this and not include Matt Hardy, um, because well, he's... It's not that hard,
4: because I did it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even consider Matt Hardy. Oh,
2: no, really? No. <laughs> well, allow me to entertain you, gentlemen. Um, the... Uh... No, but on it, like, from Team Extreme, right, to Big Money Matt, where he was flaunting his money notes, you don't know how hard it is to be Matt Hardy, you know, that stuff. Uh, Matt Hardy version one, which was a gimmick which was really ahead of its time because he was using the internet back in the mid-2000s to, to promote the Matt facts. And that was a big, big deal. Um, it was super innovative at the time. Uh, So, you know, Matt version V1, uh, Matt Matt Hardy version V1. Um, I don't know if you guys even remember. I I don't know if you'd call it a a gimmick per se, but he had a feud in the late 2000s with MVP. And uh, they were doing like they were doing all sorts of competitions against each other. Basketball, pizza eating, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's like competition, Matt Hardy. Um, and then, of course, of course, the the cherry on top of it was is is, is broken. Matt Hardy, right, mm-hmm. which revitalized his career and made him part of contemporary wrestling conversations uh, to this day. I um, the, the shadow of Broken Matt looms large uh, looms large over his career at this point, and that's fantastic. Um, he's a, I mean, this is it. He's done everything he could to remain relevant to reinvent himself to make sure that he wasn't f- remembered or forgotten, depending on your point of view, for just one thing. Um knew that you know the team extreme thing could only go so far um because he was getting old, his body was getting bruised, uh so on and so forth. So and 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 at the same time he wanted to remove himself from that at the same time, you know he, he didn't want to be the spot monkey all his life. And I can appreciate that. So yeah Matt Hardy definitely on my on my
3: Matt Rushmore. Yeah, it's a great pick. It's one, like I said, that I definitely didn't consider. But even uh, it's stuff in in uh, AEW now with the the uh, Matt Hardy can't die and stronger than death stuff. Uh, sure. He, I I remember reading a, a, an interview uh, with him just as he signed for AEW, and he said he's got dozens of characters like yeah. waiting in the wing. So yeah, this is a guy who, who definitely can can. Uh, Put his, uh, pull a character out of his, out of his uh, magic hat and, and reinvent himself. So yeah, it's a great pick, just one I didn't seem to consider.
4: No, me neither for some reason, but it, it is a great choice and, uh, and it's a bit of an obvious choice, really, actually.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Paul, thought, let's go yeah. to you for our first pick, then.
4: Okay.
2: Imagine, I just want to put that... Imagine if, if he had tried calling himself above-average Matt Hardy. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> How over would he have got? Matt
3: Hardy, version one point five.
2: <laughs> Not quite version two, but still a little better than one. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs>
4: oh, wow. Okay, I, I, I surprised myself. It was it wasn't someone I uh, immediately considered, but after doing a bit of research, I've I've I settled on um John Bradshaw Layfield. Mm. One of our picks. Yeah, was it okay? Um yeah, he kind of he he kind of entered uh entered WWE as uh as Justin Hawke Bradshaw, a kind of cowboy gimmick which earned uh, earned a modicum of uh modicum of momentum and a and a pay-per-view match against Savio Vega. Um he was managed by Uncle Uncle, I don't know how to pronounce it, is it Zebekaya, yeah Zebekaya. who was a uh, Dutch Mantel or or Seb yeah. Colter, the more recent fans. And uh, kind of his gimmick at that time was to brand his defeated opponents with, with his initials. Um, he was then uh, paired with Barry Windham um, in kind of a similar gimmick to, to the, to the previous cowboy gimmick in, in the new black Jacks. And then came the real kind of first real gear shift into, into the acolytes when he was paired with Ron Simmons, Farouk. Um, and this is where Brad Shaw came, became immensely popular in kind of, for the first time uh, in his brutal, s- stiff um, I presume they were devil worshippers I've never really given it much thought but, but were, the, were the acolytes devil worshippers? The, the symbols that they had on the chest were, were voodoo symbols Yeah, so a, kind of a perfect fit for the Ministry of Darkness which was, which was big at the time and then obviously they went they changed their own tag team gimmick into the, into the acolytes protection agency kicking I, anyone.
3: I love that I absolutely. Oh, that brilliant. was one of my favorite tag ever.
4: They were fantastic. They just ass kickers who would who would who would who would defend anyone who, who had the money and showed them mm-hmm. the decency to to enter their office through the door. <laughs> that uh,
3: door that wasn't attached to door.
4: any walls.
2: <laughs> what a great running gag that was, though. Like, can you imagine? Then it's like, and then you know, pr- the production team says is told, "Yeah, you got to put that door on the truck now." We're we're yeah. we're we're this this door frame is following us across country. You have to make room on the production trucks for this. <laughs> well, it's it's brilliant. It,
3: it just worked though. I mean, I, re- I vividly remember one where uh, Bradshaw forgot his keys to unlock the door, so he had to come round the door to get his keys. Yeah. To go back round the door to unlock the door. It's just it was just comedy brilliance. <laughs>
4: Yeah, it was really good, and uh, and the acolytes went on to be three times tag team champions, which is uh, which is a large amount of success in itself in a in a tag division that was really on fire at that time. Um, but it's then when he went solo um, and kind of undertook the drastic gimmick change into into a rich trader, um, kind of a, a gimmick that mirrored his real life. That I think he and Single success that I—I I, I certainly wasn't expecting. I don't know if any of you guys were expecting him to go on to become a a world champion when you Absolutely saw him in the not. Acolytes.
3: Absolutely, definitely not. No, of course
4: not. Uh, um, his 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 first title as as the newly christened JBL was uh, with the Great American Award, which he won for hunting illegal illegal immigrants on the Mexican border, which uh, which <laughs> I'm sure is a great honor of his. Um, but this this <laughs> allowed him to... sanctioned. <laughs>
2: At least they treated it as a heel thing to do, right? Because <laughs> something tells me in 2020, he, they'd probably try to angle him as a babyface. Oh, absolutely. Doing
4: that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would have got more than one world title if he'd done, done that in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, was, was his Great American Award allowed him to challenge Eddie Guerrero for the world title. Um, he won their first encounter by disqualification and then he won the 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 neck the title proper in a Texas bull rope against Eddie Guerrero, and then kind of surrounded himself with the cabinet, which was which is kind of ironic given his prior gimmick was the one providing the protection, and now he was surrounding himself with with uh, protection himself. Went on to hold the title for a staggering two hundred and eighty days, um, before losing to John Cena at WrestleMania twenty one. And although that was his only world title reign, he would go on to be kind of a, a top tier antagonist for. For the next decade and and uh and he'd win the grand slam adding the us and I- intercontinental titles to his world and tag and then into the hall of fame which i think he's waiting on going into the hall of fame isn't he w- wasn't he one of this year's class that got delayed yeah he was it was named
3: to be going in the in uh this year at wrestlemania but it'll probably be next year's now
4: yeah so I think I think to come so far from from the acolytes, which was already a very successful gimmick, um, and, and in my mind, like I, I just see them as two completely different people. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have something in my brain can't compete that Bradshaw is JBL. Um, yeah. So I think they're two very distinct um, gimmicks. So he deserves to be on there.
3: Yeah, and, and what a step up though! Like you said, from someone who was tag team. Um, just royalty you never would see him as a, a single dress i mean he had he did have a good run in the hardcore uh which i think it was like 18 time hardcore champion but you would never have pictured him as carrying one of the 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 major belts and to instantly like transform into a, a title contender yeah it's great work by him i mean look at some of the feuds he had as champion you mean for undertaker Booker t kurt angle uh, obviously, Cena, uh, Big Show. So, he it, it didn't have an easy run as champion. And, and to still be be able to hold it for, for more than half a year is, yeah, it's testament to him. and it's a great pick.
4: Cheers. Is, is 18 hardcore championships above average for a hardcore champion? <laughs> I feel, I feel like it probably guess. isn't.
3: We'll, we'll have Slightly to run that guess. by Matt, uh, Max <laughs> Sanders. <laughs>
2: nothing. It's nothing if you compare it to to a 24-7 title
3: champion, you know. But, hey, you know, it's above average, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you did it in Keravito with that one, Paul. Um, Let's go back to you, Warren, for your second pick. My
2: second pick is going to be the man they call Sting!
3: (laughs) I have a feeling this is recency bias. (laughs)
2: <laughs> frankly, I know it's a la mode right now to do it, but uh, we've been we 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 were talking about doing the show before the sting stuff happened on Dynamite. At the moment that we're recording, this is already passed um, And frankly, I had already decided about this because I think because okay, of course, we know the Surfer Sting, right? That's fine uh we 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 know we know uh we know of him uh that's how you know that's how he got his big break of course he was in uh uh he was in um uh he was in a tag team before that you know he got his his start with the man who would become the ultimate warrior that's fine uh but here's a guy who uh pretty much Carried on his uh, on his back as the top baby face of the NWA slash WCW for years and years and years and years. He's a guy who was uh, NWA television champion. He was NWA heavyweight champion. He was WCW US ty- uh, champion. Uh, numerous, uh, multiple time world champion. Uh, he even held that um, that international world heavyweight champion in uh, championship in WCW. If you want to remember that one, uh, of course. Tag Team Champ with Lex Luger and uh, um, all that stuff. Right, the accolades of Sting are not to are, are not to be. Uh, don't have ne- we? Don't necessarily have to run them down. He's had a legendary career, and as the, as we like to call Surfer Sting, despite the fact that we never saw him surf, um, the he uh, he was the top baby face of that company when, uh, uh, or at least the territories, right, at the same time, and even in, in NWA, he was, he was the guy who was at the top of the company. He was, that's why he had so many matches with Ric Flair, because they, they were natural opposites, and they made money together. And Sting was, has always been one of the most over guys in the company, a, um, an objective
3: draw the, the at, front at that period there. What's that? That's why he had the nickname, the franchise player. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And,
2: uh, and multiple times, you know, multiple people have used it, but never to that extent either. You know, Shane Douglas called himself the draw. Well, you know, can argue. <laughs> That's arguable. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, in his, but in his case, absolutely. Like, he was the guy that, he was one of their top guys. The big change happens in WCW. Um, they hire Hogan. They hire Savage. The WWF guys start pouring in. Suddenly, uh, new reg- regime changes, so on and so forth. Sting isn't exactly the top guy anymore, or at least his position is redundant. Let's put it that Let's use some good old corporate uh, terminology here. He, his position as top babyface, uh, happy-go-lucky, slap hands with the fans, uh... Uh, baby kissing, baby face, is redundant. Hogan is there, Savage is there. Like, okay, changes the dynamic a bit, and we sort of lose track of him for a while. Then he he slips to the he slips to the mid card. We don't see him for a while. NWO uh, happens. Where is Sting? What's going on? When he eventually returns, he returns with a. The gimmick that he's best known for, I guess at this point, the crow, the crow stuff with the bat, with the standing in the rafters, watching the action with the, you know, the zip lines with coming out of nowhere and beating people up, taking out the entire NWO all by himself. When you talk about a reinvention like that, not only were people excited to see Sting back because you see, if you were a WCW guy, a WCW faithful, of course you want your guy to come in and run off the NWO, these WWF invaders. Essentially, you want him to come and run them off. And he comes because he's now he's in this dark place because WCW abandoned him. They shoved him to the side when that when Hulk Hogan came in. It all made sense on top of it, Paul Mags. It all made sense. Mm-hmm. So, of course, this is what we're going to remember, mostly, you know, the, the transition. Because that's the beauty of it, is that it's not just a gimmick change. It's a character change. And it all flowed so naturally. It just, Everything connected, it made sense. Remember, remember when wrestling used to make sense, guys? There you go. <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> but I think there was a peak that was achieved. And it's one that... Unfortunately, not a lot of people are privy to just because of the nature of the beast. But Impact General Manager Sting is probably his most entertaining work. Do you are you guys are you guys familiar with that period of his career? Yep. I'm not. He went insane. But like delightfully joker insane kind of thing. He ever, his decision week after week, he'd be, he just became enraptured and enamored with himself. The power went to his head and he just completely lost it. So everything that you got to know about sting, the dark brooding white, the white face, uh, uh, white face paint, uh, baseball bat, trench coat wearing sting was completely out the door. Here you had a guy who was on, on, on camera giggling like a schoolgirl with Madison Rain, right? Uh, he just went completely nuts here and is probably one of the greatest general manager characters the world of wrestling has ever had. I sincerely believe that because he was just completely nuts. Completely nuts. And I loved it. He, he tried, he dared to do something absolutely different Compo- like kind of like the from surfer sting to crow sting something you're like wait are we really going from this to this the two extremes now we're going from we're not just reverting back in fact it wasn't a babyface we're not reverting back to a babyface mode we're just going we're just going nuts the years of wrestling have got to sting the, and that was that was fantastic he, he barely wrestled anymore that wasn't the point the point is that was just batshit insane and i loved it absolutely fantastic and that being said you know considering the recency of his return and so on and so forth i'm i'm super happy that he's come back he brought back probably his most beloved gimmick i'd say um which again is it, it does add into my rush my mount rushmore ishness because if he can come back what twenty odd years after after using no, he did use it in impact t n a let's say uh, at least over a decade close maybe close to two, but at least over a decade, if he can bring it back and people still remember it fondly and are excited to see it, that's the staying power of it, and that's on him for making it work for making it iconic um He's had success with everything he, he, he's worked. And I'm glad that he's back. And I hope, I, I, I'm just thrilled that he's going to have an opportunity to go on on his terms. Because I don't think it's going to be, you know, I don't think we're going to see Sting wrestling every week on Dynamite, you know, wrestling super competitive matches against, um, against Private Party. You know what I mean? Like, if that's, that's not what he's there for. If he can come, come back to wrestling, go on on his terms,
3: get a proper farewell from the fans. That's what yep. that's what makes me happy. It's a, another outstanding pick, and I think people kind of overlook how how much of a sign of the times his his change from surfacing to crossing was. Uh, I mean, it, obviously oh, it was just, huge. Yeah, the NWO get a lot of that the praise of that that kind of a tectonic shift in in uh, in wrestling. But I think the look of sting and the the the, the night and day change that, that that character had i think that kind of like uh rubber stamps that the the direction wcw was was going for and and the, the kind of uh, demographic they were aiming for and sting kind of personified that perfectly for me
2: i think it, i think you make an excellent point uh what's your name again mags
3: um <laughs> i, I, I do it's... have points sometimes <laughs>
2: I, no, but I really do believe it's an excellent point because uh, yeah, everyone was like the NWO Hogan turning heel, you know, kind of thing. But if you were a a, a an NWA slash WCW guy, uh, one of these faithfuls, having Sting return with without the blonde hair crew cut, without the without the 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 colorful face paint, this was just as huge. If not, if not, bigger for WCW fans because this was such a transformation. It was a shift, a complete shift, and of course, leave it up to WCW to to uh, booking at the time to entice us with a Hogan Sting match for years, and then when we finally get it, give us an absolute shit show of a finish that would that never felt like the proper payoff for for the feud. Um, but it was still something absolutely enormous. And I'll, and I'll just add this cause you, you made me think of this, Mags. Um, you know, I, the reactions that we saw on Wednesday when Sting came back and, uh, you know, people were like, Oh, they bring back an old guy, you know, so Sting was never a draw, that kind of stuff. Look at how much WWE has controlled the wrestling narrative ever since they've been virtually alone. Sting did end up going to WWF, WWE, excuse me, on the promise that he was going to have his match with Undertaker, which obviously never happened. Uh, but he uh, he he just disappeared, and he became he became a non-entity, which is insane. But the minute WWE controls the narrative on wrestling history, this is the kind of stuff that will fall through the cracks. You cannot talk about wrestling history, the 90s, uh, the, the 2000s, without talking about Sting. But if WWE decides not to talk about Sting, well, then we're not talking about Sting and Sting is going to become a, a, a non-person, a non-factor in what we do as a wrestling company. And that's wild to me. So, I, So to the fans who didn't understand or who just saw... An old guy returning to the to wrestling didn't get it. And I don't blame them for not getting it. I blame uh, a single company who has been in control of the wrestling narrative for well over a decade and a half. Mm-hmm. So, and this is why it's, it's another reason why it's so important that we do have another national, nationwide, uh, hopefully soon to become worldwide wrestling promotion. Uh, that can help balance this out and give us perspectives and different and, and recenter us on, uh, on on the true, real history of professional wrestling, as opposed to one that's adjusted to fit whatever they're about to sell us,
3: kind of thing. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Um, it's a, an, an outstanding pick. And I think the testament to Sting is the fact that these fans who have never, ever seen him outside of, of uh, his very short run of, in WWE. Who right. are excited about him coming to AEW. That shows the the kind of the gravitas of, of of the character that people are still excited for him, even though they only remember him from two to three matches in, in the WWE. Sure. Absolutely. So on to our second pick, and it's uh, my first pick. Um, anybody who's ever listened to this show... Uh, Will know who who I will be including, man. So I might as well put him out there first. I'm going to go with uh, the legend that is Barry Darso. Colour me shocked. <laughs> did you did you realise I was going to go for Barry Darso, Paul? I
4: had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I knew so, you'd be going for Barry Darso.
3: Let's let's run down. Uh, the the gimmick master that was Barry Darso. So he started uh, wrestling in the the mid eighties. Uh, had a few uh, short lived gimmicks uh, in that time. He was the uh, Tsar Mongo. He was a kind of Russian uh, slash Mongolian overlord. Uh Then he went to uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling and and started wrestling as Crusher Darso, who who was a, a Soviet sympathizer. Uh, eventually, he would take the name of Crusher Khrushchev. And he had a great success in in the territory system, winning uh singles and tag gold. I uh, won uh, tag titles with both uh Arvin and Nikita Korov, Won it with Paul Roma and also with Jim I But uh But in the late eighties, nineteen eighty seven, um, the Dudley came a came a calling, and they wanted their own version of the uh, the Road Warriors. Um, so they'd originally drafted in Randy Kohler and um Bill Eder to to play uh the the characters but uh, when Randy Cauly was uh was wrestling they the fans were, were were chanting Moondog at him uh because they recognized him as uh Moondog Rex.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh so Vince replaced uh Randy Coley with uh, Barry Darso because he felt that he was a less rec- recognizable wrestler and would be able to to carry off the, the demolition uh character in the face paint. So as part of this uh uh, uh team, uh Smash, it uh, Barry D'Arso would, uh, would break the record for the longest uh WWF tag team title run, uh, which uh, was a record for uh well over a decade until uh till the new day broke it recently. Uh, in all uh demolition were three time tag team champions and they'd eventually add a third member to the 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 crew when uh, crush was added to to replace Billy, who was mm-hmm. suffering with uh long term injuries and and ill health, but after uh, demolition uh, disbanded, uh, Barry Darsow went away for a little while before he came back with a uh, with the best uh, gimmick that uh, there's ever been in wrestling uh, when he came back as Repo Man, who was mm-hmm. a a heel mm-hmm. character who delighted in repossessing people's uh, property when they they miss payments. Um, so, as the Repo Man, he had a feud with Virgil when he was hired by uh, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase to, to repossess the Million Dollar Belt. He had a feud with Macho Man when he repossessed uh, Macho's hat, and uh, he also had a he had a feud with uh, the British Bulldog when he uh, he attempted to repossess Matilda the Bulldog. Um, after his uh, his run with the WWE ended, uh, he appeared in. Uh, in WCW in 1994, where he actually started under his legit name of Barry Darso, where he, uh, he he was doing the the crazy gimmick, acting like he was invading the show and getting kicked out of arenas, uh, getting arrested. Uh, but he was bailed out of a prison by C- Colonel Rob Parker, um, oh. who wanted him to uh, to beat up Dustin Rhodes because uh, they were in a in a feud. So Barry Darso took on the. Uh, the moniker of the Blacktop Bully. And this was a, a very, very short-lived gimmick because he was fired after just one match, uh, this match being the the infamous King of the Road match uh, where he and Dustin fought on the back of a moving flatbed truck uh, where both rest- wrestlers got very, very injured and also got seen on camera blading which was totally against wcw's no blood policy at the time yeah so he's uh he's running wcw
4: um ended then but as if, were... as if blading was the most dangerous aspect of that match
3: yeah. <laughs> if you've never watched the match you, you've got to go oh, it's an absolute spectacle how they thought it would work is beyond me um but uh, barry would actually return to uh, wcw with a new gimmick uh Mr. Hall One, uh, where he played an evil golfer. Um <laughs> yeah. This was another short-lived gimmick though, and it was quickly dropped when he uh he took on a an amnesia gimmick and he would uh, come out, come onto the show every week and uh reprise the gimmicks of, of old appearing once as uh Crusher Khrushchev, reappearing as Mr. Hall One and then re- finally returning to uh his black top bully uh, gimmick for the for the rest of his uh, wrestling career so my first pick is uh is the superstar that is Barry Dasso
2: I, I've always wondered with the with his repo man gimmick he had he had a little he had a little mask and a trench coat like you know he he, he was dressed and acted like a burglar right he <laughs> was just like walking around like you know sort of shifty shifty eyed and just like staying out of eyesight and just like look I'm gonna sneak in and grab something. Have you ever seen a repo man? Have you ever seen someone who works in repossession? They don't go around sneaking around. Most of the people who work in repossession spend eight hours at work and four hours at the gym working on their biceps. They're huge. They're, they're enormous guys who come in and they and it's like, they're not going to sneak into your house. They're going to fucking knock on the door until you open and then it's like, we're taking this. And you're like, no. And if they, they'll, they'll shove you around, no problem. And that's something that's always, if he's
3: a repo man, why is he acting like a thief? <laughs> Did the tire marks on his on his ring gear not give it away? Did the did the bits of uh, of tire acting as as uh, epaulets on his on his coat not tell you that he was a repo man? It makes clear sense, Warren. I don't understand what the issue is.
2: I think I, I think probably that's it. He got run over, and he just <laughs> he got he you know a couple of screws got loose. Hey, he came back as an evil golfer down the line. So
3: you know. Yeah, and, and that's a gimmick that's been done time and time again, lest we forget Kerwin Watt,
2: Right, but <laughs> he wasn't an evil golfer, he was just uh, an evil Hispanic dude who wants to be
3: white. Yeah, pretty much. Suburban guy. Yeah.
4: <laughs> but Paul, does it stay on? You know it doesn't. <laughs> 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 you, you knew it wasn't going to stay on. The reason, reason is, I've I think end the show. I'm cutting the show. <laughs> I'm not sure how you define unsuccessful because wow. uh, Dem- demolition was successful, sure, but the rest of it. Whoa. you he, disgust me, Mister Talley. He's not even the most successful evil golfer of all time because one's been president for the last four years, <laughs> so you <he> can't <laughs> even claim that. Bravo. I think he has a point there, Mags. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to replace it. I'm going to replace him with the, with his the other person who got fired as a result of that match. Um, uh, uh, the Was it King of the Road match? Was that what it was called? Yeah, King yeah. of the Road. He was obviously opposite um, Dustin Runnels, Dustin Rhodes. Um, wow. So that's who I'm going to put on. Um, because after getting sacked in that match, he went on to um, better things. And, and he's, still, he's still doing better things, whereas... Um, I, I, is Barry D'Arso, uh, has he passed away? Oh no. my God, Paul, how dare you? I, I, I didn't want to, say, I, didn't want to <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want, I was, I was going down a route there where I didn't want to say, what's he doing these days? And, uh, and, uh, but if he's dead, I feel terrible. Um,
2: no, he, he was actually part of the, um, the concussion lawsuit against WWE. The yeah. one that uh, Chris Nowinski was,
4: uh, oh, okay. Okay. So I don't feel so bad then. Yeah. What's Barry Darso doing these days? Um, but Dustin Reynolds, um, he's inhabited a, a number of great gimmicks, a, a number of shabby gimmicks as well over over his career. Um, kind of after after his early forays in both WWF back and forth and WCW, kind of um, seemed seemed to be following his following his his dad around um, when he was flitting between the companies at the time. Um, it was WCW. He found his first momentum as the natural Dustin Rhodes, and um, there he won. Uh, the WCW Tag Team Championships twice, um, once with Ricky Steamboat, once with Barry Windham who I mentioned uh, as part of uh, J- JBL's uh, induction, and he won two WCW US Championships as well and then he also <laughs> and then he also took part in the in the infamous um, Shockmaster War Games match alongside Sting, uh, Dave Boy Smith, Vader, Sid Vicious and Harlem Heat, so he was clearly um, building up a really strong head of steam in WCW and clearly headed for headed for the top there until that, that match you mentioned there on the back of a, on the back of a hay lorry or whatever it was (laughs) until he got fired alongside Barry Darso. But then obviously WF pounced, saw his talent and uh, gave him one, one of, in my opinion, one of the great gimmicks of all time, gold dust. Um, completely refreshing character, kind of pushed push the boundaries of, of what was acceptable at the time. Mm-hmm. He famously, he was an, an, an androgynous character. Apparently he didn't know what that meant when he accepted the gig. <laughs> and, uh, and and was taken by surprise when he looked it up in the dictionary. Um, and he was obviously famously kind of unafraid to use almost a homoerotic act to get heat from his opponents. Uh, and more importantly, heat from the fans as well. Uh, most famously against, Razor Ramon, Ahmed Johnson, and uh, Triple H, Um, and Razor Ramon he defeated for his first Intercontinental Championship. I just think that gimmick, everything, the the entrance was amazing. Kind of the the whole idea, Marlena when she came in, um, smoking cigar and kind of uh, directing what he did, the mannerisms. I think he just absolutely killed that gimmick and made it what it was, and made it a gimmick that is but it was still popular up until the, the, the time he left WWE to go to AEW. Um, a return to WCW would um, see him be one of those more trashier characters, Seven, as, as Magsy told us about a few weeks ago on this podcast. Uh- <laughs> that
3: was such a horrific gimmick.
4: Yeah. Uh, and then he would become the American Nightmare, which uh, his brother would famously go on to adopt later on. Um, or currently, uh, returned to WWE after the invasion, after his WCW contract obviously ended, um, or WCW had ended. In fact, uh, reprised his roles Gold Dust and then formed one of the great all-time comedy partnerships with Booker T. Um, later in the noughties another terrible gimmick changed to Black Rain in TNA, which uh, <laughs> which, which was uh, just just terrible thing to behold. <laughs> <laughs> Before, yeah, more 10 years as gold dust. And every time gold dust came back, every time WWF brought dusting back, they wanted gold dust and the fans wanted gold dust. And he was popular every time he came back. Uh, but now, obviously, it's finally all come full circle. And we've we got the natural Dustin Rhodes back um, alongside Cody. And he had arguably one of one of the greatest matches of 2019. Was it, I think it was 2019 um, at, at double or nothing against, against his brother Cody. So I think Dustin, he's had more hits than misses on his with his gimmicks and he and he's had a fantastically successful career. So I think he's he's got to go in over Barry Darso, I'm afraid.
3: That is scandalous. When one of your gimmicks is a child molester, then you shouldn't be allowed on, on this list. But there's nothing I can do about it. So apart from just be ashamed of your pull.
4: I think the, I think Dustin just needs to needs to go away with the brief of his character and consider it before he says yes. <laughs> clearly, uh, <laughs> clearly, he, ask, was, he didn't learn from the mistake of Gold Dust that he yeah. jumped straight into seven.
2: Maybe just ask someone to read it over. It was, what do you think? Yeah. You know,
3: <laughs> what
4: do those big eyes? words mean?
3: It, it, it's a great use of the beatom, one that I'm not at all happy about, but. Warren, let's go to you for your third pick. Please pick Repo Man so he can at least stay on someone's Mount Rushmore. No, I am going to... <laughs> no, just no. no. <laughs> I'm going with Ed Leslie, gentlemen. He had about 70 gimmicks.
4: There you go. You Here's got to you educate got... me. I don't know who he is.
3: Okay, here we go. Here just we the go. Beefcake. There
2: you go. Oh, right. next, okay. The Barber Beefcake, me. who's only... Success, first of all, only uh, goal—the only goal that he held um, with um, in, in uh, during his tenure, WWF, WCW, was the WWF tag team titles with Greg the Hammer Valentine, and he wasn't even the barber at that point. He was just Brutus Beefcake, Greg the Hammer Valentine. They held the title for a hell of a long time, like close to a year. The titles for close to a year, so you know they big ass tag team. And then they did the the, the then the gimmick switch starts, right? We start with Brutus Beefcake, then we become Brutus the Barber Beefcake, which uh, was very very good for his career. That uh, it got him super over, it. and everyone, everyone remembers that gimmick. Everyone, if you don't remember, if you don't remember it because you weren't watching at the time, you know of it. The guy who challenges people to shave their head, cut their hair if they lose a the match
1: with
2: shears. I, with shears. Well, yeah, he mostly used razors when it happened, <laughs> like electric razors, which which was a smart thing to do. But that that was the thing, and you know the the whole hair thing. Of course, it's a. Um, it, 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 the the thing about hair in wrestling is that it's always been like this point of pride you know especially in uh um in lucha you know where you'd have hair hair versus mask and uh you know of course we all know about how um how terrible it is you know the 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 level of indignity it is to lose your mask in a uh in a uh, mask versus mask match but uh, same thing with the hair. The hair's a big deal. It was always a big deal in, in in wrestling. So it was nice to have him take that on. Now, here's the he he leaves WWF because Hulk Hogan left. Leaves, leaves and he, you know, well, even before that, he had that horrible accident, right? What mm-hmm. like, uh, what was he doing? Parasailing, I think. Yeah. Was was the uh, was the activity he the that he was doing? I What's think, that? I,
3: I, uh, yeah, I think he was parasailing and then uh, uh, he was driven into by a ball uh, by a by a lady, one, I think. Yeah. And and
2: demolished his face, yeah. and it's and, and he had his comeback, and people were legitimately happy to to to, to see him return, right? Because because uh, his face was deconstructed, was just yeah. smashed to bits. So um, so he comes back for a short while in WWE, but then. Hogan jumps to WCW, brings a couple of his pals along, and Ed Leslie is his, is his number one friend. He's a top pal. A, so he comes in as Brother Brutai, or Brutie. I'm not quite sure. I don't remember how. And that was, that was something. That was, so that was something. But quickly, that was very short-lived. He became the more better-known Butcher, No relation to the current AEW tag team. The Butcher, with which he formed the Three Faces of Fear with uh, Kevin Sullivan and uh, 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 Avalanche. Um, Was that? um, Yeah, Avalanche was what he was called. No. What was he called then in WCW? John Tenta. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it was The Shark. Was it The Shark in in WCW? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But John Tenta, anyway. Mm It was another guy who has multiple. Anyway. Um, But. So he does the butcher thing, three faces of fear, then the, the, um, uh, that disbands and he becomes the man with no name. You see, he gets amnesia. Not unlike your boy, Barry Darsal, right? He, 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 he gets amnesia, forgets who he is. But then he becomes the Zodiac, which is another one of his most memorable gimmicks as he returns with Kel- Kevin Sullivan to create the dungeon you know all the the, the um the uh, the heel factory to defeat uh, that's looking out to to destroy Hulk Hogan who just arrived right and then later he joins the nwo for some reason and becomes the booty man we don't know why why did why was he the booty man is it because he had a particularly luscious posterior no not you know, that was, that was Billy Gunn's thing. Is it because he liked uh, to, uh, to acquaint himself with other individuals' uh, 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 rear ends? Maybe, maybe he, but that was never fully exploited. We don't understand why he was called the booty man. But yet here we were, fully grown man, wearing black and white, lots of leather, calling himself the booty man. Anyway, I, I digress. His final form. The final form of Ed Leslie came with the arrival of the ultimate warrior in WCW. That shit show. He was included in this where he was the sole member of uh, uh, Warriors One Warrior Nation, right? His faction. He became the sole member of that And was known as the disciple. And what did he do? Well, he sort of ran around with a similar trench coat to Warrior and he wasn't he was barely used because Warrior was in and out in a blink and it was awful, awful, awful. Now, why why do I want this guy, Ed Leslie, to be on my Mount Rushmore of top gimmicks, despite the fact that he never won a singles title. He never rose to prominence, was never, why would I never won a Royal Rumble? You know, it's like, no proper accolades. Here's a guy who's been through so many gimmicks, and yet was able to foster some sort of career out of wrestling here, despite despite having the most moronic gimmicks, yet... So memorable, nonetheless, so terrible and sideshowy that despite it all, we look at them today and they're like, this is ridiculous, but in a good way, you know, not in an offensive like, uh, um, not in an offensive, um, uh, not in an offensive way in any shape, but not in a beaver, beaver cleavage situation where you're like, this is just disgusting. You know, it's like, you guys are talking about incest. This is gross, you know? It's all just so wonderfully delightful and it does speak to the man. And I think it is an accomplishment in and about itself to have been involved in so many high profile angles. Let's not forget the Dungeon of Doom was a big deal. The NWO was a big deal. And he was involved in the Warrior angle, which, again, despite the fact that it sucked, wasn't a big deal. Despite the fact that he was involved in all those high profile angles, he never won a title. That, my friends, Paul, Mag, is an accomplishment in and about itself.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a good pick. It's a really, really good Isn't pick. Good choice? I think, yeah. I think his legacy will be that he was one of the greatest finesses of the wrestling world, that he could uh, take a friendship with Hulk Hogan and turn that into a long lasting, a career decorated career. Yeah, <laughs> He,
2: he, he, he was friends with the guy, with the guy who need, he needed to be friends with. And they had a falling out years later. Okay, sure. You know, and, but you, I mean, Maybe he saw the writing on the wall at the same time. You know, we we like to we like to poke fun at it at, at Leslie at Bruce Beefcake, but maybe we maybe he's just smarter than a lot of people gave him credit for. You know, and maybe he's just like, look, I'm going to continue making money if I hang around Hogan. Just as yep. simple as that. It worked.
3: Um, it worked. And we remember him. And like I said, yep. he's been involved in yep. such such. Uh, Big, big angles. I mean, you didn't even mention the 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 barbershop incident. I mean, he was uh, an integral part of that. So that's right. right. It's a great, it's a great pick. Sure it is, Yeah. Paul. Yeah. What pick am I potentially v twin of yours? Well, speaking of
4: being friends with the right people, I don't think it was. I don't think it's a cynical friendship. Um, but 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 he certainly benefited from it. I've gone for Charles Wright.
3: You motherfucker. <laughs>
4: Is it this one going, going to, to be tough to beat? To yeah, was it? it? Was going to be my next pit, Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you so is, got
3: is, political is, with your vetoes, Paul. <laughs>
4: uh, unsurprisingly, kind of someone who is such a close friend to the Undertaker um, is really good at pulling off gimmicks, as a uh, as old Mark Holloway was. He um, was um, the Undertaker who who kind of. Angled for for um, for Charles Wright to be brought into WWF um, back in the nineties, and and I think uh, when when Charles Wright came in, he, he he pulled off four I think four memorable kind of iconic gimmicks, and obviously he started off with Papa Shango, um, who was a who was a a voodoo villain um, kind of I guess similar traits the undertaker um coming out to um coming out to 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 uh, billows of smoke and messing with the arena lights and bringing that mystical edge to the wwe um famously obviously missed his missed his cue at wrestlemania 8 failing to <laughs> failing to break up the the hogan pin on Sid vicious after the leg drops, so Sid had to kick out himself. But it still led him to probably Papashanga's most famous feud, which was with the Ultimate Warrior. That came that came out of that match. And it's probably testament to to the man that even though he blew a moment on the biggest stage of all, Vince didn't fire him there and then. Um, so I I just remember when he was uh, casting his spells on Ultimate Warrior. I remember, I, I I remember it terrified me at the time. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what age I would have been, but it's certainly something I look back and remember now as, as as something that that scared the shit out of me, basically. So that's pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, due to kind of other circumstances, uh, injuries, politics, whatnot, I think the character of Papa Shangri didn't didn't get all the breaks that were actually planned for him. Perhaps perhaps there was a world title match in there for him.
3: Yeah, Again, he, well, he, he had a, a match against Bret Hart for the title. Oh, he did.
4: He yeah, left. yeah, but he used he went against Warrior, wasn't he?
3: Uh, well, actually it was, it's, it was actually meant to go up against Sid, but Sid got uh, fired from the company. Uh, uh, and that's when they transitioned into the warrior storyline. but yeah, it
4: it was meant to be a big, a big player. Yeah. So, so who knows how, how far he would have gone if, if things didn't kind of conspire against him, but uh, apparently, uh, it, it wasn't a gimmick that was massively popular with fans, even though I look back on it quite fondly. And, uh, and and Wright was uh, released, um, but it wasn't long until he returned again. This time as Karma Mustafa, which uh, apparently was um, a... no,
3: no, no, no. It was just Karma when he first came back. Just Karma. Way. Okay. Yeah. It was Mustafa when he joined the nation.
4: Right. Okay. Just Karma then, which was I think <laughs> like a, a kind of a, a <laughs> UFC fighter gimmick. Yeah. Um, again, he was short-lived, but he what he was in there mixing it up with um with kind of the. T- the upper echelon of talent again this time his friend the undertaker who he, who he stole the urn from and melted down into a necklace which was probably his, his biggest biggest act but again um release uh he got he got released yet again but similar to dustin he was he pulled back clearly um clearly a popular guy amongst wf management he returned this time as part of the nation domination as you rightfully said as, as Kamal Mustafa this time Playing kind of an integral part in that whole gang warfare bit of 1997. Oh,
3: that's one of my favorite. Years I loved of it. Wrestling I loved battle. it. Yeah, the gang I rules wish it, era.
4: Gang rules. I wish they'd bring back. Um, wish they'd bring back um, some more kind of stables along that. A and, and Nation of Domination really cool. I really like them as a stable. Mm-hmm. Then uh, that once nation of Domination had, had fallen apart, probably came his well definitely came his most his most popular um, gimmick. Which was the the colourful pimp, oh, accompanied man. to the ring every night by his hoo oh, train, uh, the Godfather. Um, yeah, very popular gimmick, and it, and it won him his his first title uh, as as an Intercontinental Champion. Um, and kind of this, this gimmick now that returns every now and again in Royal Rumbles or backstage segments because it is is just um, it is, it is a fondly remembered. Gimmick that that Charles Wright really made made his own, and uh, and it's actually the the gimmick that he got inducted into the Hall of Fame on. Yep. Um, but he also had time to to become the good father as part of Right to Censor, um which uh, he was originally a target of Right to Censor because of his obviously immoral behaviour. Lost the bull, pimpin bu- ways. <laughs> his pimping ways. He lost the bull Buchanan in a match in which he had to if he lost he had to give up his pimping ways um so he joined right to censor as part of that um and then as i said forevermore kind of godfather will turn up when you when you least expect it most more often not showing up to talk his old pals out of settling down um uh, most famously did this while teddy long was was getting married in the ring to crystal um godfather came out uh tried to convince teddy long to to ditch crystal at the altar and go back to having fun with him and uh, him and Farouk. Um, Teddy Long turned him down, but Godfather left with with all of the male guests of the wedding, um, following the hoe train <laughs> out, wow. out the of WWE the, out was the so service. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like, uh, I, I watched it earlier, I quite like, um, uh, you, you could see CM Punk really wondering why the hell he's part of this. Um, and yeah, like I said, he would, he would go on to be, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2016 as the Godfather, and in 2018 was, I think the last time we saw him. Mark Henry and the Godfather met up backstage to discuss how they'd all grown up, and and Godfather, although he was still wearing the gear, he'd 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 given up pimping, and uh, just as Mark Henry had given up being sexual chocolate, and uh, I'm sure it's not the last time we've seen him, but but uh, that that was a a fun little moment I think on Raw 25.
3: It's a great pick, uh, and I can't veto it because I was kind of going to be literally my next pick. <laughs> you got anything uh, to add? No, I think you you, you covered it really, really well. Uh, he, he was literally the first person I actually started to research when when we uh, decided on this topic. So, yeah,
4: me too, me too.
3: Pick. and uh, I think the uh, the Papa Shango character was actually based on uh, a James Bond villain, uh, Baron, Sameda.
4: Um, yeah, Baron Sameda. Yeah, Baron Samedi, yeah.
3: Yeah, great pick, Paul, and great avoidance of a veto. you absolutely won awesome. the veto
4: battle again.
3: Yes, you have.
4: I'm I'm going into the Hall of Fame soon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Warren, let's go to you and, and complete your Matt Rushmore. Um Mick Foley. It's,
2: yep. And I think uh I think this is I think this is the guy. I think you really can't have, you know. A Mount Rushmore of successful wrestlers who've been who've been successful with multiple gimmicks, so on and so forth, and not not have him on it. Uh, from his beginnings in World Class to the death matches, uh, was starting, of course, as Cactus Jack, right? And that's how he yeah. made his name. Cactus Jack win World Class, and then uh, really cementing who he was in uh, FMW all those years that's where he that's where he became uh, part of the, uh, um, the the circle of king of kings of death matches back then in Onita's old promotion uh his fights with Terry Funk over there were of course absolutely legendary and with uh, uh Wing Canem- uh, Wing Canemera as well um I, I don't think he ever fought Onita outside of a like a tag team or a six man tag or something like that, because uh, I think at that point Onita had re- retired anyway. But uh, um, uh, yeah, he's you know he fought Hayabusa, established his legend over there on on the on the North American on North American shores. Well, you know, hardcore wrestling started to appear a little more. Of course, like he was he did a stint in WCW, of course, that we all know. He won the tag titles. Again, as Cactus Jack with Kevin Sullivan, uh, but the the whole FMW stuff um, with um, the whole FMW stuff with uh, uh, coupled with what was happening in ECW at the time as well, really, really solidified who Cactus Jack was, um, and because um, he had his hardcore matches here on North American soil under Paul Heyman, won the ECW Tag Team Championships with Mikey Wipereck. Um But then, of course, the big deal was him coming over, finally signing with WWF, but creating an entirely new gimmick for him in mankind. And it's interesting because I think there is a parallel to be made here with Mr. Wright with Charles Wright uh, with Papa Shango because clearly the Mankind gimmick was created to have something for Undertaker to do. Create this insane weirdo that hangs out in boiler rooms that you know that has that same type of darkness. I think this is what kind of what they wanted to do with Papa Shango as well. But oopsie poopsie, things happened for Charles Wright as Paul um, uh, as Paul uh, went through and. That never materialized, so that's it. So that's essentially what. Uh, that's essentially how I feel the Mankind gimmick came into came into uh, into business, and quickly became extremely memorable. But not necessarily sure the matches, but the portrayal of it. Right, it's what Mick put into, and I'm talking about early Mankind, right. Not you know, Mr. Soko and stuff like that. We'll but we'll get to that. The early portrayal that he that he made of him, you know, pulling his hair out and the the voice, the the how he how he acted bent. There was something that uh, that Mick really infused into mankind that made him troub- troubling, worrisome. And then coupled with the with the insane stuff that he'd do in the ring, and you are like, well, okay, this. This character is just nuts. This, this character is just absolutely nuts. Um, so that, that stuff would happen, but then, then you know, stuff would happen. Mankind sort of broke. Next thing you know, you have you have dude love showing up on television, who is like the happy-go-lucky version of of of. Of Mick Foley slash mankind at the time, Um, which was actually, if I remember the story correctly, Dude Love was like Mick's first wrestling gimmick, but not when he was wrestling. Like when he was pretending, like in his living room, to be a wrestler. You know, he's like, "I'm Dude Love," and
3: yeah, right. It first uh, was was Dude Love when he was jumping off his own garage roof onto mattresses. Yeah, right. Like, not when he was an actual
2: professional wrestler, when he was just doing backyard stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's it. So it was a callback to that. And, again, this this worked because the idea was like, okay, mankind. That's when the mask started to slip, you know? It's like, are we looking at mankind or are we looking at Mick Foley, who is this guy who is behind mankind, but now he's sort of cracked and he wants to be this, this babyface crowd favorite. Dude, love dancing, smiling, you know, colorful, psychedelic. You know, everyone's like, What the hell am I watching right now?
3: Yeah, that, so that the reason he actually introduced the dude love character was uh, when Steve Austin refused to, to have mankind as his tag team partner, as his tag team
2: partner. That's yeah. right, that's right, that's right. Um, so, so, but, but there, there was that part where he was the mask was slipping, right? It's like, who exactly are we looking at? Are we looking at a guy or are we looking at a character? And this was unprecedented at the time. And I know, I remember on the message boards, everyone was confused. Like, what are we, what are we watching? What is this? You know, it's like, they, he can just switch gimmicks whenever he wants. Sure. And that was the, that was the genius behind it. And frankly, I'm going to use the word genius, because I don't think um, I don't think it would have been as successful with anyone else than Mick Foley pulling it off. I think the reason why it worked is because because it was Mick Foley putting in um, putting in the effort to make it happen, right? Yep. And then he goes back to mankind. We're, we're still talking. It goes back to mankind, but not the same mankind. Now we have a mankind who is. Laughable, uh, jokey, goofy, ma- goofy, holding on to the naivete that was him, but uh, you know the sort of impressionable, manipulative—not manipulative, not manipul- but manipulatable. That's not a word that can <laughs> be manipulated. Thank you very much. And uh, and 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 that's it. So he was adding, he was adding his own in there. Um, and and that and that's brilliant at the same time. Taking an established gimmick, but switching it, making it into something else. We still get the references, the mask, the the abuse to your body. The uh, uh, we we get it all. But then you have Mr. Sacco. You have him winning his first WWF title on Monday Night Raw. We all know the story. Tony Schiavone over in Nitro saying that'll put butts in seats, and yet it did. Everyone switched over to see it. I still get fucking chills every time I see that main event. I cry. It was... For me, it's one of the greatest moments I ever experienced as a as a wrestling fan. The, the, the King of the Ring tumble, of course. And then it all comes back. It all circles all the way, all the way back around to Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack makes his return. He even shows up with Terry Funk as Chainsaw Charlie. But it... You know, it all circles back to his original gimmick, the thing that got him over, the thing that got him known, I should say. But I think ultimately, the main gimmick, and this, I think this is the, the, she, the real, true, sheer brilliance of Mick Foley in his gimmicks, is, is the idea that Mick Foley himself, that, that Mick Foley is the gimmick. Yeah. Mick Foley is a guy who has multiple personalities. It's a guy who has multiple characters, multiple visions of, of himself. And that's what we've grown to understand about Mick Foley as a performer is that this guy can be three other guys. He just has to decide which one he wants to be. And yeah. that, that's, there's really four faces to Mick Foley ultimately. And that's what's fantastic about it. And that's what I think it makes... It's, it's absolutely brilliant. And it's something that Matt Hardy is very close to, you know, to a certain extent. But I don't think that Hardy's previous gimmicks have been infused with that same type of personality and and uh, 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 performance that only a guy like McFoley could have delivered. And success throughout world champion, tag team champion, hardcore champion, TNA world champion. I mean all of it. He's he's had success, gold everywhere he's he he's been,
3: regardless of the giving it's it's a perfect pick and it was also going to be my, my final pick for our Mount Rushmore and it's for everything that you've just said there's no way that we could have a mount rushmore of wrestlers with gimmicks without including mick Foley. absolutely um, the the fact that this guy entered a royal rumble with three, three totally different characters is just a testament to how good of a character worker mick Foley was uh just so so good and i think we have to give a lot of uh a lot of props to Jim Ross as well because he really sold the fact that this guy was Mick Foley yeah. and that these were three different like personas. And and it, I think it was Jim who uh, coined the phrase "the three faces of Foley" and, and stuff like uh, Mrs. Foley's baby boy because he he was really kind of breaking the fourth wall that this guy wasn't. It, it was a character and he, he brought out whichever character needed to be brought out at the time. If he was really being like uh, destroyed by the heels, he'd, he'd return to like the vicious Cactus Jack. If he was playing uh, a goofy uh, character like, in, in in the tag team with The Rock, we got Mankind. If he was uh, being more of him, of himself, he was being the dude love character. Yeah. So I, I can't not have Mick Foley on, on our Mount Rushmore. So yeah, it he, he, he would have been my pick as well. I agree, and,
2: and it's a really good point. It, it, the, the, uh, the Royal Rumble is a really good moment, and the thing is that we all popped. Mm-hmm. Like, every time we were like, oh, shit. and no one groaned, and no one was like, ugh, this is so lame. And I was like, no, it worked. It worked because they had magic with Mick. Mm-hmm. I, 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 like, uh, there's good ideas for gimmicks, right? But if you don't have the wrestler to pull it off, it will come off as contrived and 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 won't connect. Mick had that look. It's the same thing with Undertaker, right? It's the same thing with Undertaker. Anyone else but uh, Mark Calloway would not have would not have been
3: what it became. Absolutely not. Exactly, exactly. It's a perfect way to to round off our Mount Rushmore's. Um, well, uh, this has been an absolutely amazing episode. Uh, what we need from you now, sir, is uh, we need a topic for a future guest. What uh, what kind of Mount Rushmore would you like to hear about? I would like to hear a hmm.
2: How about a Mount Rushmore of I'm not say of above average mark standards <laughs> of above average wrestlers. <laughs> How about, how about a Mount here here's something that might be fun? A Mount Rushmore of NWA champions.
3: Have you guys
2: done that before?
3: No, we certainly have not. That's that'd a, be fun. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, Warren, this has been brilliant. Uh, as I knew it would be, and it's a shame that it's took so long for you to be on the show. And I hope it won't be that long before you uh you are back on. Let all our our listeners know about if they if they don't know you already which i cannot understand if they if they don't uh where they can get all of you on social media and about all your your many 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 content outlets i
2: um youtube.com let's start with that yeah, just, so, just
3: go or, on youtube is there is it everywhere the slate i absolutely love the slate i think it's a a real breath of fresh air oh
2: thank you thank you so much max you're 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 not so bad yourself pal <laughs> I, I sort of I sort of fell in love with Paul today. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, <laughs> YouTube <Yeah. laughs> Wow YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes is uh, where all the magic happens. I have a podcast uh, that I record live every Thursday night 9 p.m. Eastern Time uh, right there. So if you want to come in and join the live chat, that's always fantastic. It's always a good time recapping the week in wrestling and and good times. So uh, I also do pre shows before uh, before Raw before uh, the Wednesday night wars and before SmackDown so 7:30 PM, just a quick half hour to get run down what's on in store for us. So I do that there as well. Uh, prediction shows when there's pay per views, uh, post shows on New Japan shows really early in the morning, uh, stuff like that, all sorts of things. YouTube.com/slash Mr. Warren Hayes. You can also get all the podcasts uh, on uh, on your favorite podcast application. on there as well. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter
3: at uh, Mr. Warren Hayes. How about that? Perfect and paul your favorite time of the week so
4: yeah well you can follow us on twitter too we're at dej kirkby and at rain counter and we're both at badlands pod and you can listen to us every thursday or if you uh if you uh if you go onto your podcast provider and and subscribe to the Cheershot media group you can also get lots of other lovely podcasts featuring our featuring our voices. If you go, if you also subscribe to uh, visionaries, global media shooting the sports ish and five nerds go, go on, um, subscribe to all, all of those. Um, give us, give us ratings on, on, on your, podcast provider. If you'd be so kind and, um, yep. Yeah, we'll be back again next Thursday for another, another Mount Rushmore. Um, stay safe and always use your head.